Hey listeners, this is Sarah Ashley of Nerds on Film. On February 24th at 5.30 Pacific Time, we nerds will be streaming a live commentary track for Hollywood's biggest night, the 85th Annual Oscars. Tune in to listen to us do what we do best, make jokes, and discuss movies. It's like normal Nerds on Film, but longer and in real time. We hope you'll join us for the big night, and you can find out more at nerdonomy.com. You're listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, David McGuire, and Sarah Ashley. Iranian Space Monkey. I need to talk about this. Okay. It has absolutely nothing to do with film. No. It can be a movie, though. It could be a movie. It It could be a riveting movie. movie. Iran recently decided that they were going to catch up to America by essentially being, instead of a thousand years behind us technology wise and getting into space uh now only a mere 60 years behind us by sending a monkey (coughs) as close as they could get to space it was considered space by a technical definition but it was not an orbit by any stretch of the imagination and this monkey that came back did not look like the monkey that the press (laughs) had shown previously i'm very upset about this clearly the monkey was immersed in cosmic rays Cosmic right. rays does not change the color of your fur, nor does it make the mole over your right eye disappear. Tell that to Benjamin Grimm, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, wow. <laughs> maybe they sent the monkey to the planet of the apes. Which was Earth. Uh, Are we talking about the remake, though? No, the remake was not. It was another planet. That movie does not exist. <laughs> right. That movie was never made. <clears throat> that goes into the, the Burton of You Potter know what Mark Potter. Wahlberg did that summer? He was on vacation. He was not making that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, this look of rage in Eric's eyes right now is so, yeah. so amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the truth. But Ar- okay, okay. So maybe maybe the movie. monkey time traveled, and that was the monkey's son. You know what happened to that to monkey? Finish his work. That monkey died. That monkey straight up died, and they replaced it with another monkey that kind of looked the same, but not close enough. And you know what upsets me though? The Russians. They sent dogs into space a long time ago. Those dogs died, and they knew those dogs were going to die. They had absolutely no need to lie about it, and yet the Iranians have given us this fake monkey. I'm very upset. Can I just say something here? Yes. What haven't the Iranians lied about to the media? But you know what? The monkey just takes it too far, because now you're including members of the animal kingdom, spacefaring members of the animal kingdom, brave monkeys who are giving their lives in the betterment of... The expanding of that of that country's <clears throat> science and technology, I feel very upset. This bothers me more than anything else that Iran has done. I can see that. Really? No, but <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that I just might be a little hyperbolic. Eric. It just you know I don't have a whole lot to contribute to this episode, <laughs> so I needed to give something, and this was important. I'm to me. glad you're so passionate <clears throat> about monkeys. I am. And space travel. Two of my greatest passions. Cool. Yeah. Now greatest. you know, and the more you know. Monkeys? Where's Star Trek and all that in history in Egypt? <laughs> oh, it all intersects. Oh, okay. Yeah. Monkeys all play. So, a very okay, wait, wait, wait. Then tell me, where in your brain does space travel, monkeys, Star Trek? Did you know that it was actually we're good there? Egypt and history all combine. Did you know it was actually a horde of gibbons that attacked a <laughs> British naval ship as it was about to uh, deal the final blow on the American Revolution? <laughs> <laughs> Those gibbons save their butts. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. Nerds and history. Of course, they were from. They were, of course, they were from France. So they were the proper term was gibbon. 
Gibbon. Gibbon. <laughs> <laughs> that is called the uh, the Gibbon Revolution, I believe. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah, they're all put down later, though. It was so just recently right. declassified. Yeah. Eric, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> With that. Oh, we're recording a podcast? No, sorry, just no, kidding. No, we're just talking about space <laughs> No, monkeys. we're just trying to find a way to raise our spirits after that game. Yeah, so... Much time- like the Planet of the Apes <laughs> remake, that game did not happen. You know what the 49ers were doing for the past couple of hours? They were in Hawaii. They were resting on a beach. Correct. <laughs> I'm jealous. I know. As so am I. we saw a bunch of robots? Is that what you're trying to say? It was a mass hallucination. A mass hallucination. Shared by millions. All right, everybody, before we start the game, please drink the glass of water we've given you beforehand. (laughs) Don't ask questions if it tastes funny. So we all had a mass hallucination. Then is the Super Bowl, was that canceled this year? No, it happened. Who were the Baltimore Ravens playing? It's not important. Okay. (laughs) That'd be funny. One dude who didn't drink the water just watching the Baltimore Ravens play with themselves. Like like fake being tackled and everything. I was like, what the fuck is going on? I'm so confused. Is this a I don't get it. I'm just going to go turn off the lights. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so in case you guys can't tell, we just watched the 49ers lose. Three points. And, And... None of us really here are actually football fans, but... Because, again, nerds on sports. Nerds on sports. That's an oxymoron. Um, but at least uh, we were rooting for the home team in this regard, and yeah, well, not I really so wanted, much. I'm, I'm actually... I was raised to be a Broncos fan, and mm. I really wanted the Ravens to suffer a painful defeat because they beat the Broncos yeah. not too long ago. And well, I was really disappointed, though, because I was told that Benedict Cumberbatch was the quarterback for the 49ers and oh my God. some other guy. I think you're referring to... Uh, Kaepernick? Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch. I was really pissed. <laughs> yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch. Where was he? <laughs> I mean, I know he's you know got a lot of things going on, new Star Trek movie coming out and Sherlock and all that, but you know, if he's going to commit to something like that, he needs to be there, not some other guy whose name kind of sounds like his. <laughs> right. Just saying. <laughs> and with that, folks, welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Brian Moriarty. And I'm Sarah Ashley. Ooh, ooh. I'm Eric Brickmont. Yes, indeed. Eric, thank you for sitting in this evening. You're welcome. I'm hoping to bring my extensive knowledge of musicals to today's topic. You're an expert on musicals? No. (laughs) I'm an expert on Iranian space monkeys. (laughs) Clearly. That's a very specific field to be an expert in. I recently was accredited with it. Mm. Yeah. You got a BA in monkey? (laughs) (laughs) I should believe it was a BS. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yes, it it was a BBS. A BBS? Yeah. Our listeners know what I'm talking about. (laughs) This is why we need to do a video podcast, because the expression on your face is perfect, and no one can see it. Listeners, let Brian and Sarah know. Email them. We're we're all in the same loop. These guys are... Who knows where you guys are. Right. Anywho, so... I promise I haven't been drinking this evening. (laughs) So, first of all, just to do a quick little checkup, has Mm -hmm. anybody seen more movies in the challenge at all? For Not since the last time we recorded. Yeah, no. Neither have I. I'm I'm seven movies away, and I'm I was supposed to see one this week, but I I got was so busy I couldn't do it. Well, I saw Argo with you, and that movie was excellent. Yeah, I really enjoyed that movie a lot. Even though Ben Stiller, the one thing I had Ben Stiller, Ben Stiller, Ben Affleck, yeah, Ben Affleck wasn't. In, uh, um, if Ben Stiller was in Argo <laughs> and directed Argo, that'd be a whole other movie. It would be a comedy. <laughs> He's finally done something <clears throat> worthwhile. Um. <laughs> Sorry, Ben Affleck. Affleck? Ben right. Hufleck. Ben Hufleck. I thought was excellent director. 
I thought the film was fantastic. I thought the historical realism in picking the actors that so closely matched their real world counterparts was fantastic, except for Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. who hmm. looks absolutely nothing like the character that he's supposed to be playing. Tony yeah. Mendez. Well, he doesn't look like him. No, he's no. not even Latino or Latino American. I'm well, sorry, he fair, doesn't match it. At the all. real Antonio Mendez is a little Irish too, and Affleck is more Irish. But okay, you know what? That's you know, the only connection they have. You know, uh, you're, you're talking, in America. Everybody's Irish here. <laughs> but I think it's hilarious how much detail they spent on every other piece of know, the film, and the main character was so far off. They also created a couple characters too. It's docudrama. You can't get everything 100% correct. And and I totally appreciate that, and I understand that. I'm just thinking, if it's one very key and important element, considering all the other main players were very accurately depicted by their their Hollywood counterpart, you would think you'd do the same thing for the main character at the cost of, I don't know, maybe not starring in the movie you're directing? Just throwing it out there. Well, I think that kind of, you know, nitpicky maybe, but at the same time, it does kind of speak to the fact that <clears throat> there are not many Latino lead actors. And it has been pointed out a few times about just kind of the the racial incongruity with and they needed a name to carry the movie i think because i mean yes they could have gone with another needed a name they had tons of names yeah they had a hundred different names well yeah they had alan arkin and they had john goodman brian cranston brian cranston too yes of course from breaking bad and malcolm in the middle but that being said affleck is a is a, a movie star name it's a name that is recent enough that you can sell it so he probably attached his name tactically so that it could get the movie made. But his name was already going to be attached considering he was directing the thing. True, but he's still trying to establish himself as a director. You know, so he's make himself just a different character, a minor mm-hmm. character. Create a role for himself that doesn't have to be as big a role as the lead character. And he's not that great of an actor, not in my opinion. No, I agree with that. I think his best performance was probably in Chasing Amy or in Good Will Hunting. That was yeah. about it. I would say he did a fantastic job in Argo. Considering he had such a strong supporting cast, yeah, absolutely. But if he, if that other talent wasn't I there... I think it, uh, what I thought was that it, he played it really subtly. I thought that he let everybody else do the work, and I thought that was actually really yeah. important. I will I will give Echo Eric's comment. We, we remember we were talking in the car about this after we had seen it, and I do agree that he does kind of play every character the same. Yeah. With maybe a couple of exceptions, I think pretty much everything has been, yeah, that's Ben Affleck, being Ben Affleck in a different costume. Yeah. And maybe he'll have that one movie that will surprise all of us where he gets to really stretch himself and be somebody completely different on film. And also the real Tony Mendez did not go alone. He brought another agent with him mm-hmm. who was disguised as a Canadian uh, cameraman. Right. And they, Who they, they completely cut out of the movie. Yeah. They shifted that and made one of the people they were trying to get out the cameraman instead. I know, but think how cool that would have been to have that dynamic, to have that second character along with him. They could have, I mean, who knows in reality if they even had worked together in previous missions before. That could yeah. have been a whole cool subplot to go off of. Yeah. Maybe maybe one too many subplot for the film, Make but... a little bit like a buddy cop thing. Yeah, and no, that's, yeah. that, that might have misled the story a little bit, though. Because yeah. if that didn't happen, then they're completely departing from it they're telling a fictitious story on the background and i think he wanted to tell the story of these people well this this other guy has to exist i'm sure his information has been declassified too just because he hasn't written books like tony mendez doesn't mean they can't interview him and find out some more information about sure i'm just saying it would be a good point of research i think with that said though excellent movie i enjoyed it i hope it wins best picture of the year because i really honestly think it deserves it i know you've seen les mis have you seen les mis yet that would be a no 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 
I really liked Les Mis. We, you know, your review is on the blog, of course. My review is on the blog, <clears> and <throat> I also really, really liked it. Um, I don't want anybody to think that my rate, because I gave it a 7.5, I believe. My rating scale really is 1 is awful, 10 is amazeballs, and 5 is... Yeah, it was okay. Okay. So I, it was definitely on the side of really good. <laughs> so what movie qualifies as like a 10 to you? As a 10 to yeah. me. <clears throat> Just um, so they can understand the scale here. Okay, so a 10 to me would be... Ernest Goes to Camp. Totes. Totes, Ernest. Um, no. Quite possibly one uh, of the Young greatest. Frankenstein is my number one all-time favorite comedy, so I would put that at, at a 10. Okay, I would put... In, in the same style of, of In film. the same style of film... I would say that Chicago for me was an eight or a nine. Okay. So that's kind of a, a comparison there. Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> and okay. I'm Moulin Rouge, I would put out a ten. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Moulin they're Rouge all musicals is, as well. Yes, they are. I did that for a reason. We should do an episode on that. Hey, yeah, we should do an episode on musicals. And considering it's my background, let's do it right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> the musical of Iranian space monkeys. <laughs> as I'm hacking along here, sorry. I have no idea. I was not. I'm not sick. Something is just causing me to cough inexplicably. It was the Niners losing the Super Bowl. They gave me the flu. God damn it! They did. And the now Niners millions of Americans will be bastards. sick because of this. Oh well. Anyway, Jackasses. hey, let's talk about musicals. Yeah. Uh, but specifically musical movies. And now, we, as we were kind of getting into this topic, we already had to kind of differentiate that there's different ways that musicals can come about into film. Yeah, and it's changed. It's and it has changed. It has evolved. So let's just kind of do like a quick little breakdown. Sure. We've got movies that are musical. Yes. We've got things like Moulin Rouge, Mary Poppins, uh, Once. Um, help me out here. Singing in the Rain, um, 42nd once, Street. Uh, no, 42nd Street, I believe, started off as a stage musical. No. Incorrect. No? It Am was I based wrong on that The one? songs that were based off of a musical called Dames at Sea. Oh, okay. Which was then used in 42nd Street, and then it became a musical. Afterwards. Gotcha. Okay, so yeah. so then we have... so we have, Thank you. No, thank you for correcting me. <laughs> so we have that. And then we also have musicals from the stage that were then adapted into film. Chicago, Les Mis, Rent... Mamma Mia, uh, Brigadoon, Brigadoon, yeah, Cabaret, of course, Cabaret, eventually Into the Woods, was a film, not yet. Oh, but they're developing it. They're developing. They're also it. trying to develop Wicked. That's a rumor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you also have those weird ones that are movies that have been turned into musicals. So right. a lot of Disney ones, uh, Beauty and the Beast, sure. Little Mermaid, um, Shrek, Lion King. Which, which were movie musicals. Shrek was DreamWorks, but yes. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know if I oh, want to count. I mean, obviously they count, but Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid and... The ones that are already the Lion musical King, movies. They were already musicals that were just adapted okay. for the stage. Okay, okay. Uh, <clears throat> Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Totally valid. The producers, of course. The producers, uh, Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde, for sure. And Bring then, it on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're basically in the phase of Hollywood conversions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spam a lot, as Eric pointed out yeah. earlier. Right, Mighty Python, The Holy Grail, of course. My second contribution of the evening. Hooray. But then we also have those really funny ones, like Hairspray, that was a movie that got turned into a musical on stage, and it got turned back into the movie. Same thing with the producers. Right. Exactly. It was reverse converted again. Yeah. So it really is kind of interesting how the relationship between musicals and film, stage musicals and film, have kind of come back together when it was so traditional for that back in the day. If you look at the roots of Broadway musicals and how film was then developed and adapted, 
early talkies really did kind of once they you know powered you know had the the power of sound to back up film um they really did take a lot from vaudeville from stage musicals yeah, I mean, etc the jazz singer was right. the jazz singer was, was a, musical. a musical yeah yeah, yeah well, in a way but here's the thing like there we have to make sure that we can talk about that there's different types mm-hmm. of musicals and i don't mean necessarily like oh this is musical comedy this is musical drama this is a rock musical this is a more of a tap musical yeah. not those there's actually a, a different approach to how the director mm-hmm. interprets the musicality of the story. Right. And that makes a really, really big difference. When you look at a movie like Les Mis, it looks very different than 42nd Street. Oh, yeah. What you know. Or from how uh, Cabaret and Chicago were done. And I think the difference is, is are you enacting it like this is <clears throat> an actual, you know, character piece? This is an, a movie that just so happens to have singing in it like once... I think in that regard, yeah. <laughs> or something that plays more towards the imaginary audience, right? Like the producers, maybe. Right. Well, what you're talking about is the literary term diegesis, right? Because the traditional musical, as we think of it, people breaking into song and these elaborate dance right. numbers—that's non-diegetic. It's mm-hmm. you're escaping into an alternative world that's externalized, and then you're going back into the world of the story. Whereas, like something, something like once breaks that because. Yeah. Everybody is actually singing in that world, mm-hmm. but it's justified because they're all musicians and they're all playing a song. Right. You know, so it just kind of goes with it. It's that cool little double entendre, if you will, of uh, devices. So then I kind of wonder where Moulin Rouge falls in that one because to me – I would I, say it's non-diegetic. Yeah. Oh, that's tough because it's a cabaret. No, like they're, they're there's, there, are, there are ones that they are legitimately singing as part of the show. <clears throat> right. Um, when Nicole Kidman does Diamonds is Our Girl's Best Friend, she's right. singing it as part of the show. But then come what may when they're singing to each other. Right. And, and it's, it's a blend. It's yeah. definitely a blend. See, I could never – imagine sitting through a movie that is diegetic just because I'd have to keep getting up to use the toilet. <laughs> That's diegetic, not diuretic. <coughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> Sorry. So, you know, actually, another good example of that is actually... <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I'm so glad Eric's here. <laughs> I didn't mean to disrail that so badly. I, I apologize. Yeah, honey, I'm really not feeling so good. I'm feeling kind of backed up. Let's go see a musical. I hear it's like listening to a modium. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Okay. Um, but you know, another classic musical that does that actually is 42nd Street. Okay. Because all the musical numbers, with the exception of one, mm-hmm. which is, of course, the lullaby of Broadway, the, 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 the main number of the show, right. everything else is diegetic. It's in the musical. <laughs> <laughs> you get a new word. Get a new word. <laughs> we'll say internalized. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> My sincerest apologies. <clears throat> oh, God. <laughs> so another good example of that actually is the musical 42nd Street because mm-hmm. are we talking about the the stage production or the movie? Well, the movie the stage, the stage production is heavily based on the movie okay. which is in reverse based off of the the show Dames at Sea. Okay. It's one of those things that's a backstage musical mm-hmm. in that it's to, there's a show within the show. Kind of like Kiss Me Kate, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz they're doing Taming of the Shrew. Well, Kiss Me Kate is based on Taming of the Shrew, yeah. Right, but they're all, but that's clever because they're a actor troupe who's actually performing, performing. exactly. Yeah. So they play with that too. Kiss Me Kate, good example, right? Because that was a movie musical that was brought back to stage. Yep, musical right? lyrics by Cole Porter. Exactly. So 
in 42nd Street, the show within the show, most of the musical numbers, like We're In The Money and Dames, a lot of the numbers come from musical numbers they're rehearsing as the characters working the show within the show. Mm. The one exception to that is when Julian Marsh sings The Lullaby of Broadway, which is like the signature number of the show. Mm -hmm. That's happening at the train station. They're not rehearsing. He's trying to convince Peggy Sawyer to stay in New York and not go back to Allentown, mm -hmm. right? So that's the one time where they break the rule. And it's important, though, because that's the key moment, right? That's like almost the climax of the movie. So they have to kind of break the device in order for it to really show its impact. Okay. But then there's something like Once, where, like we talked about, everything is in the story because everyone's playing music, playing songs. Right, right. So casually. then let's talk about uh, <clears throat> Cabaret and Chicago. Yeah, those are really good so, examples. Yeah. Now, these are ones where um, the main characters are kind of going about their story, and at least in the movie productions, I'm talking about the Chicago with Catherine Zeta-Jones, Renee Zellweger, Richard Gere, yeah. and with Cabaret, <laughs> I'm talking about the Liza Minnelli version. These characters are going about their lives, their routines, but every single time there's a musical number it kind of it pulls away and kind of goes into almost like a fantasy land type thing with yeah. cabaret it directly parallels the cabaret performances so they're on stage you know doing uh the money song or life is a cabaret or right. goodbye to you mine hair right um <clears throat> yeah it's it's the cabaret number basically yeah the, it number. is the number that just so happens to parallel life right in chicago it's almost like in the character's head what if this situation was was a production number right was and, a stage number and rob marshall when he made the movie chicago mm -hmm. really played with that because yeah. all the musical numbers appear in their own alternate reality it yeah. was a, very much a callback to the, the classic yeah the costumes change right. everything becomes bigger and, yeah. and grander on a broadway scale and he does it in nine too and nine actually yeah. I, don't, I don't think is supposed to be done that way i think he kept the same device mm -hmm. but i think nine is very much I mean, yes, of course, it's still this, this whole non-diegetic moment, but it's not happening in a separate reality. There's no different change in costumes, yeah. different change in setting. I didn't like Nine as much. That one didn't... didn't well, that one was weird because me. they didn't really cast... The only person who could really sing in that movie was Fergie. Yeah. And she sang the shit out of that part. She did. She yeah. did. But, and, like, not like a pop singer, too. She sang it like a... That's like Fergie a, from the Black Eyed Peas? Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. yeah. she did. And she sang it like a musical theater actress would, and she rocked the shit she out of that it. song. She nailed it. Wow. Yeah, um, Daniel Day-Lewis, though? If he needed, like, another year. Yeah, he, yeah. Need, he needs some, a little bit more. Exactly. A little I think bit more. He's a fantastic a... actor. i just not necessarily sure I want to see him do musicals. Right. And I think to make draw a comparison, what they did right with Les Miserables mm -hmm. was they got actors who, who sing. were really good singers. And they got a lot of people who were had backgrounds in musical theater for the ensemble. But, yeah. like, all the major characters who could sing... With the exception of Russell Crowe. Mm -hmm. But even Russell Crowe has a background in musical theater. Well, he's got a... I know he's got a background in singing. Like, he's... No, sing, he was... He's he a was, front man um, of a band. He was uh, Dr. Frankenfurter in the Australian version of Broadway's... Oh, no shit. Uh, ...Rocky Horror Show. I wouldn't mind seeing a picture of that. That'd be pretty funny. It's pretty disgusting. He, is it? He has fishnets on, and his hair is... <laughs> oh, his, I kind of want to see that, because oh, I think that'd be really his funny. his legs are not shaved. And it's, it's, <laughs> I just kind of want to see that, because yeah. I think that'd be really funny. It's... <laughs> Rocky Horror Picture Show. So well, that's you know another what? one. You yeah. use up all the bandwidth you want on that because I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah. you'll be the only person well, in the world. You know, looking the funny at thing that. is, there, there's a good point why they call it the Rocky Horror Picture Show because that's the that's the movie version, but the right. Rocky Horror show, show was the musical that it was based on, and it's very different. Yeah. Um, in fact, the the Phantoms, which they don't they don't even really address them. At least I don't remember in that movie as they are. But the Phantoms, the 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 ensemble characters in mm -hmm. the house have their own musical numbers in the stage version of the show. They don't have them in the film version of the show. 
I'm trying to recall back. I've seen a couple of productions of the Rocky Horror Show. I've seen one that was definitely more towards the movie a little bit. And then I saw one that was completely freaking weird and absolutely made no sense whatsoever. So, yeah. And that's um, one of those things where you can now go and you can see both because it's not uncommon. Well, and the thing is, is the company actually like took liberties with the story. Oh, yeah. So it really made absolutely no sense. Well, that's, yeah, that's not right. You're getting the rights of the script to perform the script. You're not supposed to change what the playwright's intentions were. That's a cardinal no no in doing theater. Oh, well. I knew cardinal no no. Did you? Yeah, I knew him before he was a bishop. <laughs> it's funny how you change when you get so much more power. This is why we keep you around. Oh, Eric, I will never get tired of your dry puns. <laughs> <laughs> well, my family do call me the Punisher. Oh, oh God. God. Stop it. You're done. You are cut off for the next five minutes. <laughs> Diegetic. <laughs> do not start me laughing again, please. Um, Apparently, Eric's a wear clown. A wear clown? <laughs> <laughs> He would just start giggling and won't stop. <laughs> but as as we were kind of saying earlier, um, the history behind musicals and, and musical movies, they, they really do kind of go hand in hand between stage and film. Um, when Broadway really was at its heyday, it was not only the source of material for many movies and then movies, you know, obviously took from that um, and developed things like Singing in the Rain, etc., and yeah. kind of created their own original films that were musicals. But also, you know, Broadway was the source of the pop hits at the time. And in the, right. the top 40, you know, you had Irving yeah. Berlin and Frank Sinatra singing Irving Berlin songs and then having those same songs then appear in a show. Half of Sinatra's songs came from musicals. Luck Be yeah. a Lady yeah. from Guys and Dolls, right? He's, right. Uh, and then he was in the movie. Right. As, Guys and Dolls. As the character who doesn't sing the song. Yes, <laughs> the other one. He was not Nathan Detroit. Nathan Detroit was... Mm, no, no, no. He was Nathan Detroit. He was Nathan Marlon Detroit. Brando was Marlon Sky Brando Masterson. Was, thank and you. And Sky Masterson sings Luck Be a Lady. Thank you, so, thank you. Yeah, no problem. And also, in Sinatra style, he makes it. He slows it down and does it his own way. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do it the way it's written, necessarily. Yes. But then again, Nina Simone did the same thing. She took a song from a very obscure musical, mm-hmm. you know, this, the Roar of the Grease Paint, Smell of the Crowd. And turned feeling good into a total soul, sultry yeah. song. And um, if you hear the original version, it's much more operatic. And it's like, wait, have I heard this song before? Because it's close. Yeah. But the way they sing it, she puts a lot of, of slides and a lot of riffs into it. Mm-hmm. And we're used to that style of the song now that when you go back to the original, which doesn't have any of those musical elements to it, um, it's very different. So then you kind of do have an ebb of flow, though, where um, the movies took off. And Broadway kind of became less popular and fell a little flat. And then there was a, there was a second rising, you want to say, in about late 60s, early 70s, when theater and Broadway theater got a little bit more experimental again and kind of raised up again. And then yeah. kind of fell a little bit. And now it's kind of reaching another peak again. And again, it kind of goes hand in hand with movies because they're getting a lot <clears> of their source material now from movies and right. devel- developing it and making it better for stage. Well, really, that's their primary source of musicals now. I mean, the 90s yeah. and the 2000s were... A point where there was the highest number of revivals, number mm-hmm. one. And then that's when they started experimenting with reverse adapting yeah. movies back onto stage. And they'd done it a few times before. It's not like it was anything new. No, it's nothing new. But it's just, it's interesting that they're doing it again. Right. But what it really is, is it's showing the commercial nature mm-hmm. of professional theater. You don't see this much in Europe because a lot of Europe's theaters are subsidized by the government. There is commercial theater, but they get to, you know, they get to do the experimental stuff because a lot... Like two-thirds of their budget comes mm-hmm. from their country's tax subsidies. Yeah. Whereas in America, you got to go with what sells, right? And right. they know these movies were huge movies. So if they get the right combination of people, the right 
producer, the right choreographer, the right librettist, and the right composer, you can make a successful, mm-hmm. um, for the most part. Because like Disney, they really reawoke yes. the Broadway musical, thanks to Alan Menken. Alan Menken, yeah. I <clears throat> love that man. Yeah, and he, of course, started off in theater mm-hmm. um, and still has done musicals, but he um, did Little Shop of Horrors. He adapted mm-hmm. a cult horror film back into a stage musical and then of course which turned into a movie with exactly. Rick Moranis and it's totally yeah. awesome and everybody should see it if they haven't already and because of that movie's cult film status it was able to go back to Broadway yeah and finally. be really popular <laughs> right because the original run was not on Broadway it was yeah. off Broadway so it's a big deal but then of course they tapped him to do Little Mermaid right? Little Mermaid and that was a huge success which revived Disney and revived interest in musicals again. Mm-hmm. The PBS show Broadway talks about this a lot. Yeah, um, and then of course Beauty and the Beast, which was in turn reversed back into a musical on stage and was mm-hmm. wildly successful, as mm-hmm. well as The Lion King. Well, Lion, yeah, and Lion King though being um, Tim Rice and Elton John. Tim Rice and Elton John, exactly. Yeah, and they've they've also tried with other, and they're having they're struggling. Tarzan did not do well. No. No, um, Little Mermaid, after a couple workings, did not do well. They're struggling with Aladdin. They've been trying to make it into a musical for like almost 10 years now, and they've been experimenting with it by showing a, a shortened version of it at the Hyperion Theater in Disney's California Adventure. And that's that's a show that they fully intend to bring to Broadway at right. one point. Mm. Well, and I and I've, I've <clears throat> I just saw it. I yeah. just saw it a couple weekends and ago. They've got some good casts, but it has some really weak points to it. It does have some weak points, but it's also really condensed. It's only 45 minutes long. Yeah, um, it needs to be like at least twice as long. Well, yeah, yeah, and well, you think know, about Aladdin though. I mean, think about re- all the grand scenes that went on in that movie. How right. can you recreate? You'd be really surprised. Yeah, they they did do a lot of them. Like the carpet is uh, a dancer. The carpet's you, a dancer, but then there's also a scene where they're like flying over the audience in a carpet. Right. That's got to be really uncomfortable though to be the carpet. No, of course he's not actually. They're not on top of him when he's doing that. But I mean, come on, if you're going to be the carpet, yeah. get into the role. <laughs> Oh my um, God, stop it. I'm just saying. <laughs> and there's also... Don't they, do things half-assed. They omitted, <laughs> they omitted a major character. Abu is not in the no, stage version. No, he's not in the stage version. Um, they well, don't have the monkey. That is key and essential. And you figure an actor can play a monkey. Well, so they what they did is the funny thing is Iago well, Iago's was, a puppet. He's a puppet. So they could, why couldn't they make Abu a puppet? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Maybe because he moves around too much? Yeah. They, they play a lot with the genie <laughs> popping in and out of the stage and things like that. Yeah. So they well, do have a lot of fun. It's really cool. If anything, go see it. Just like if you happen to be in California Adventure, go see it just because it's free. Too. It's free. And the genie makes all kinds of completely hilarious and very relevant jokes yeah, just throughout he, the whole thing. And it's really, really funny. Yeah, but the sad thing is, though, he's he's mimicking Robin Williams' portrayal, though. He's not doing Robin it, Williams' Well, it depends. It depends on who, what cast yeah. you see. There's different casts and different genies. Yeah, but what, what I mean by that is he's not mimicking the like the cadence and the likenesses of Robin Williams, but in that Robin Williams has that extemporaneous style of making r- weird references yeah. that are relevant. Yeah, they've written the genie to be that way, so they sure. have they they get somebody who is a strong improviser mm-hmm. to do that. I remember the guy we did had to complete. There was a couple of technical issues, and they had to shut down the show. And he was totally riffing and went with the audience and ad libbed for about That's five funny. minutes straight. He you was know what? Amazing. <clears throat> I think I figured out what happened to that Iranian space monkey. <laughs> God, what are you going to say? Well, think about it. The monkey gains fame, you know, has a press conference, goes up into space, comes back, space monkey. First one in years. Who do they need for this Aladdin presentation? They need Abu, right? So why not go with an actual monkey? 
Rather than going with a puppet or an actor, go with an actual monkey. They're just monkey. training the space monkey for Broadway. <laughs> Got <laughs> it. the moment when the Boo gives, like, the cast rabies. <laughs> right. Well, you know, he's already kind of from that part of the world, right? So, yes. I mean, it's yeah, it's a perfect casting fit. He's already mm-hmm. set for it. Just train a monkey. There you go. Yeah. I think yeah. they already did. I think he's. I think he must be involved in the process right now. And that's why they had to get a fill-in, a stand-in monkey. For the one that had Just gone to get space. the monkey from Outbreak, put a little fez. Oh my god, <laughs> little fez. The spitting monkey from Outbreak, <laughs> or, or, the, or, or the monkey from Pirates of the Caribbean. The zombie monkey from Pirates. That yes. would work too. But those those monkeys have been in some pretty high profile stuff. They could definitely do Broadway. Friends. That monkey was in Friends. It was. Yeah, yeah that exactly. type of monkey. I think, I think that monkey's dead now. Too. I think all yeah. three of these are different yeah. monkeys. No, 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 they're all different monkeys, but yeah. the same type of monkey. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, Sorry, I just had an epiphany, and it just, it just came okay. to me. I'm pretty sure we've. I, I'm pretty sure we can lay this to rest now. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm done. With the Iranian space monkey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where were we? What were we talking about? We were talking we were, about. We were talking about Disney movies being adopted. Yeah. To Broadway and we're musicals. talking about really what we're talking about is both sides. That mm-hmm. it being done into a movie and then reverse trying to be brought back to the stage. Mm-hmm. We don't really talk about theater much in this podcast, but that's fine. This is a kind of a cool way we can get to tie the two it's together. Okay, you and I both are huge musical theater fans, yeah, so why not? Well, I mean, I'm studying theater, so it would. Yeah. It'd be odd if I was studying a subject I totally hated. Well, um, I know plenty of people who study theater but don't like musical theater. And that's a shame because musical theater is a really it's a it's a style. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's like kabuki. It's stylized for a reason. It well, they'll study it. Does doesn't necessarily mean that they like it. I would like to see kabuki done on film. That'd be interesting. Oh, that'd be really interesting. Yeah, some English theater company did a kabuki version of Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, so you can't technically do it as kabuki, right? Because kabuki are these preset musicals that have to be done exactly the same way as they were written. Like, the, that's the cool thing about the pageantry of kabuki. It's that you see it the same way it was done 600 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know? It's really cool. But someone took kabuki influences with the costumes and the makeup, and they applied that to the content. So really mm-hmm. kind of experimental, very, very weird. But kind of, I would like, well, that's intriguing. I want to see that, right? And I can't believe we didn't talk about Jesus Christ Superstar, because that was a... Yep. A major movie. It was a huge movie. Yeah, and also Godspell too, wasn't Godspell? I don't know if that Godspell was a, was a movie or not. I think it. I think it might have been. Um, Hair. Hair. Hair was a movie. Hair was definitely converted from the original film. Mm-hmm. It was funny because, like you're saying, in the '60s and '70s, we were adapting major stage shows from Broadway to film to sell mm-hmm. film, and now we're doing the reverse. We're selling film concepts to theater to sell theater tickets. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting how that juxtaposition has uh, formed. So I happen to have here the list of AFI's top 25 greatest movie musicals. Oh, please, If you sure. want to go down them. Absolutely. Do you want to start with the bottom and then work to the top? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Number 25, Moulin Rouge, 2001. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, and that one's a tough one because it didn't really have any of the songs written for itself. They were all existing pop songs. Nope. There's one song that was written for the movie, and that was Come What May. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But that's the only one. Everything else. Sure. But, you know, there are musicals, jukebox music, <clears throat> musicals that they pull um, from other things. What's the one that just came out with Tom Cruise that was terrible? Rock of Ages. Yeah, Rock of Ages. So Rock of Ages, <clears throat> not a shining example as far as the movie's concerned, but I've right. heard a lot of really good things about the stage production that obviously pulls songs from all over the place. Lots Ma- of hair bands from the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Mamma Mia um, pulls from ABBA yeah. songs. You know. And I have a conspiracy theory. They're going to do one for Spice Girls. Did you know that? They're going to make a oh, jukebox musical for Spice Girls, I heard. 
Oh, I'm kind no of God. excited. I am not. The six year old the, the sixth grade girl in me is like, Oh yeah, um, I want to listen to that. And you know what I think? <laughs> this is a conspiracy theory. Uh huh. Because when I was in high school and I had to go audition for musicals, mm-hmm. I was not allowed to do sing a song that was not from a musical. So I think one of these kids was told that when they were in middle school and high school. And they're like, fuck that. They're saying, fuck <laughs> this. I'm going to make a musical that's all the songs I listen to on the radio. <laughs> oh, God. So that now you can, now I can go and I can sing Don't Stop Believing. There you go. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a show tune. There you go. Hey, <clears throat> why not? Oh, the Spice um, Girls. What a horrible thing to bring up. You know, during the Olympics when they, when they, when they did the, the presentation, mm-hmm. my right. four-year-old was watching it and she turned to me and she said, Daddy, this is awful. Aww. And then she walked away with covering her ears. Poor Spice Girls. And went to go girls. play in the other room because she didn't want to listen to the Spice Girls. And there are those moments where <coughs> as a parent, you're, you're just, so you're proud. so proud. You're so proud. <laughs> that was one of those defining moments. It was fantastic. Yeah. Hey, like, that oh. shit was fun. I well, don't Her care. grammar. Loved it. Just, you know, so perfect. Daddy, <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> and for a four-year-old to show such good taste, yep. that's, that's a good that's sign. Very good. Yeah, that's, that's very good. good. My baby. <laughs> All right. Number 24, 1936. <clears throat> showboat that's a really big one that's a really really big one mm-hmm. because we were talking about this in our theater episode and we were talking about this a couple weeks ago um in the civil rights episode yes we did in, of nerds on history yeah and it's a important musical because you're talking about the first musical to really shift from being the review shift from being a diegetic musical mm-hmm. where we're talking about they know they're singing and they're singing musical numbers because they're musicians they're performers they're mm-hmm. playing characters who are doing those things to now the stuff becomes more internalized. It's more operatic in that sense, where yeah. the characters are just expressing themselves through song. And another big one, because, hey, it's the first musical to deal with miscegeny and deal with the issue of race. I mean, that wasn't the first. There was a number of that, that were done on Broadway that were not successful, but this was the first one to really like deal with the issue and to get any major form of success out of it. I'm surprised it's not higher on the list. I completely agree. Very important, very good, and kind of kind of said it all. So, good job. Thank you. <laughs> um, nine- ah, thank you all. All right. And uh, number 23, <clears throat> 1955, Guys and Dolls. Oh, of course. Which we mentioned. Of course. It's just so good. Yeah. It's just so good. Yeah. Gotta love Frank Lesser. Mm-hmm. He, he's done some good stuff. And it's really, yeah. really entertaining. I don't know. It sounds kind of creepy to me. Why? Musical about a bunch of guys playing with dolls. It just <laughs> sounds like an episode of Law & Order SVU. Oh, dude. Okay. So... Okay, can I just chime in real quick? I sure. cannot talk about Guys and Dolls without talking about an episode of The Simpsons where oh, they Jedi, where they did <clears throat> like a dinner theater version of Guys and Dolls. Right, and it was Mark Hamill. Star- as- Mark Hamill is Nathan Detroit. And they're like dressing him up as Luke Skywalker. And he's like, but Nathan Detroit would never wear this. They're like, I don't care. Get out there. And he starts singing. He's like, Luke, be a Jedi tonight. Just be a Jedi tonight. Do it for Yoda while we serve our guests a soda. Luke, Luke be, be a, a Jedi, Jedi tonight. tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty funny. Ridiculous. Um, hey, that just talks about the cultural relevance, right? It's so oh, yeah. big that... How can you not make fun of it? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that absolutely deserves to be on that list. All right, number 22, <clears throat> 1991, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Beautiful. Thank you. You know, it's funny because Ashman and Mankin, they didn't get all their songs into the movie. Yeah. And so that was more of their incentive to convert it back into a stage show. Mm-hmm. The Beast has a really great song in the musical that they never animated it for the movie. And it's right after he kicks Belle out of the castle. When she finds the rose, mm-hmm. and it's a song I can't love her, and it's a total great internal monologue where you start to finally see what's inside his head, mm-hmm. and you start to see that he's really this just this mixture of emotions, and he's realizing that he just really screwed up, yeah, and that 
she's really literally his last chance of being human again. I saw a meme <clears throat> from Beauty and the Beast like online and it's uh it's the beast and like it just says, I know, I'll get her a library. Bitches love libraries. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. Kind of the greatest meme I've ever seen. Yeah. This is pretty much the only movie you've mentioned thus far that, that I've actually seen. seen. Oh, really? Yeah. Being the father of two young the children. the Ron Perlman version of Beauty and the Beast. Oh, so they didn't sing it in the television version? No. <laughs> Are you being serious right now? Is that the lady from Terminator? <laughs> <laughs> this is a mistake to bring you on the show. You pick the topic that I know the absolute least about. We wanted to do war movies. I'm we wanted to do war release. movies, but apparently we weren't prepared, all right? <laughs> I could talk about war movies. No, you could talk about wars. Well, that's true. <laughs> but I could compare them against the war movies to see if they were historically Yeah, well, we have to have seen more war movies. Yeah. Anyway, all right. All right. <laughs> moving on. Um, it's nice to have a little comic relief. Yes, yes this you're, is true. you're the Keller comic. No, seriously, though, is that the lady from Terminator? Yes, it yes, is. It it's is. Okay, good. Then. Just, just, yes. <laughs> I just want to establish that. All right. Um, so, number 21. This is funny because I have this movie, yet I've never watched it. Is this crazy? Um, 1954, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Never seen it either. I have I've it. heard of it. My parents like that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those movies that I think a lot of parents yeah, like. This is where we're going sh- to show our true colors and some people may say, for shame. For shame. I know. And you host a podcast. So I, But I have a box set of, of musicals that my grandparents gave me because you know i really like musicals and it had cabaret has my fair lady and it has music man and seven brides for seven brothers and that's the one that i haven't watched yet you know to be on the serious side not to be funny at all but my my grandfather and my uh, great uncle mm-hmm. married sisters so they kind of did the same thing only on a much smaller scale for, right. for only two of them mm-hmm. well, there but you go. I, like I just thought i'd throw it out there thanks thanks for a bit of brickmont family history for you number 20 1978 Greece. Yeah, I've seen it. I don't like that show. Okay, I've seen that one. Okay. Uh, it's with John Travolta, and they're yes. all dancing around, and they're... Yes. they're in the 50s, yes. In the 50s, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't actually mind that one terribly. It's it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. It's got some kind of risque elements in it, too. So, can, can I say the that... The movie is toned down. It is really? Very t- yeah, it's much more sexual so, than the stage musical. Fun no fact kidding. for everybody, if you haven't seen the stage musical... And when they're singing Greased Lightning, which the whole thing is a complete metaphor for Dick. Really? The whole thing yep. is a metaphor for Dick. When he... Uh, Go Grease Lightning. See, now, I find that unfortunate because considering how quickly lightning moves, <laughs> <laughs> I really wouldn't want that uh, connection made, but okay. So when they're, uh, when they're singing, they're dancing around on the car, and then randomly, Saran Wrap comes in there. And he, he pulls out the saran wrap and he kind of runs around the car pulling the saran wrap around him. On the stage musical, that's them actually putting, like, the car in a condom. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Magnum not, not going to work in that case. No, They're not gonna so have much. to get some saran wrap. Not <laughs> so much. So I'm going to have to share some incriminating evidence with the table, if that's okay. Please It's do. fine with me. It's, whether it's okay with the police and the, and the uh, Questions attorney who will be... <laughs> The question, is, you. the question is if it's okay with Sean or not. This is <gasps> was Sean in Greece? Was Sean in the stage production of he Greece? Was, he was not in Greece. Oh, damn it. <laughs> it's even worse than that. Oh, my, oh my God. God. <laughs> so do you guys remember that in like 1997, 98, maybe even 1999? Oh, real quick, listeners, in case you didn't know, Sean's our sound editor. And my older brother. And Brian's older brother. And a really badass individual, but please go ahead. Yeah. Do you remember how in like 90, in the late 90s, there was a theatrical re-release of Greece? I do actually yes. remember that. Yes. Yeah. And, be- and because of that, there was a resurgence in the popularity of the musical, right? Yes. Okay. 
So somewhere in the archives of my parents' house, my dad's house, not here, in Colorado, there is a videotape of Sean lip-syncing You're the One That I Want, <laughs> playing both parts. <gasps> oh, my God. oh my God, I need to see this. <laughs> okay, you know how we were talking? And Sean doing full commitment, like Jim Carrey <laughs> oh style, God. to both parts. You know, we were talking earlier about <laughs> He must have been like that. 14, 15, 15 time, maybe 13. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about doing the road trip. <laughs> this is our motivating reason. It's More hilarious. so than anything else that's and come before. It's hilarious because this is like a day when we were we, we had off and he, we were still in our PJs and whatever. And he, when he was playing Living Newton John, he would like roll up his pant legs and roll up his like t-shirt sleeves. It was Sean, Sean was Sean was a gangly individual, so it just it was. Uh, oh my gosh, this is this is our sole reason for going to Colorado right now. Like, Sean's gonna be like, I don't even remember that. How is that? <laughs> We are going to no, Colorado, and we are Sean finding this video. Sean is going over to your video. father's house right now to destroy the evidence. Or, or actually, when Sean gets this, he's going to fly out to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever comes first. He's going to strangle me with piano wire. So, so, yeah, I I actually used to be pretty obsessed with Grease. I was one of my favorites. I hate that show. I just do. I'm, okay. not, I'm not a fan. Sorry. That's okay. It doesn't offend me. You're entitled to your own opinion. Thank you. <laughs> I do want to know why. The music never attracted me mm-hmm. to it probably because of the movie I, I do admit i should probably watch the stage show yeah just watch to be the sure show, yeah the movie just doesn't do it for me it just doesn't mm-hmm. it's too tongue-in-cheek i feel like it, it it makes too much of a show of itself the story doesn't feel genuine enough to me see to me watching greece what i got at the end was here's this young innocent girl on her discovery to the true horror that she is <laughs> right no right it's like the only the best way to get a guy is to change everything about yourself i know it's a terrible terrible message very terrible message exactly that's that's i mean i looked at martha after watching it because you made me watch it of course and i was like really this no no yeah this was not good i mean it was good it was good in that you know it didn't suck terribly but it was just like the the, the theme really sandy <laughs> <laughs> uh, i will say as far as being genuine when rizzo is singing there are worse things I could do. Yeah. That is a really genuine moment. In that the is. Show. What, what I mean is the main plot line of Danny and Sandy. Um, Sandy thank you. Okay. Um, I just, it don't, I don't believe it. And that's really unfortunate. Okay. Yeah, so and that's fair. Yeah. And that's fair. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to. I wanted to, but yeah. I couldn't. I will say, when I really liked this show and this musical, especially this movie, I was a kid. All right. Yeah. So this is just one of those ones that like has a lot of nostalgia, sure. Nostalgia for me, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. it was a, a hell. It was a musical that was created based on nostalgia, anyway. But is it my favorite now? Certainly not. And is it one of those ones that I will voluntarily watch? No. But when it comes on and when it plays, I will sing along. I will get into it just because. I mean, of hey, course, you just have to. Of course. Okay. Um, number nineteen, nineteen forty-nine, on the town. Mmm. That's also been adapted into a stage musical. That's actually one I'm not too familiar with. Neither am I. It's the concept is basically it's about a couple of sailors who are, you know, they have shore leave and they're gonna. <laughs> oh wait, no, I lied. I have seen this one. I totally lied. Are you sure you're not thinking one. about New York, New York? Because it's no, a very no, similar no. premise. No, no, no. Because New York, New York is three guys. Yeah. Um. And Gene Kelly. This is just Gene Kelly and Frank Sinatra. And um, as I've mentioned before, Gene Kelly is my old timey movie husband. And I was a huge Frank Sinatra fan in high school. So I watched a lot yeah. of movies with Frank well, Sinatra. Sinatra. In it. He was able to branch over and do both acting and music. You know. He won an Oscar. Did he won an Oscar. I thought he was uh-huh. nominated for an Oscar. I thought he won it for um, Man with the Golden Arm. Yeah. And he was involved in the mob. I mean, he was a busy guy. I don't know how he did it. No, he um he won Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for From Here to Eternity. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So there you go. Gotcha. That's what it was. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on. Um, number 18, 1942, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Oh, not one I'm super familiar with. Nor I. Uh, is that the one that features General Byrd or something to that effect? Yankee Doodle Dandy is actually about the life of George M. Cohen. Um, George M. Cohen was a musical theater composer and actor. He wrote, directed, and starred in a lot of his own musicals in the early 1900s. He's considered the father of Broadway. Um, at the Tony's, they give the George M. Cohen Award. And there's a statue of him devoted uh, in Times Square. So he was a big proponent of taking the musical comedy and taking the formula musical, the boy meets girl and boy loses girl, mm-hmm. boy gets girl back story, and just doing it over and over yeah, and over again. So that's this movie has James Cagney playing George M. Cohen and um, contains a major song in it, Give My Regards to Broadway. That's a major... Yes. Yeah. That one is featured in that, yeah. yeah. So I've seen scenes from it, but I haven't seen the whole movie. Uh, number 17, The Bandwagon, 1953. Never seen it. Never even heard of it. Oh, my God. So, let's find out what the bandwagon is about. My nerd cred is about. on the line here. Yeah, right. It's an MGM musical. Uh, stage and screen star Tony Hunter, a veteran of musical comedy, is concerned that his career might be in decline. His good friends Lester and Lily Martin have written a stage show that they believe is perfect for his comeback. And so, it's kind of all about that. Okay. And then him, I guess, falling for some chick named Gabby. 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 Well, short for Gabrielle. Oh, I thought she just talked a lot, so that's what yeah. they, her nickname was. Yeah. All right, moving along. Uh, number 16, 1968, Funny Girl. How can you not talk about Funny Girl? Barbara Streisand. <clears throat> her voice is like butter. Like butter. <laughs> so this was a big one, too, because this is also allegorical of Broadway, mm-hmm. because Funny Girl and Funny Lady is the story of Fanny Bryce, who is a vaudeville performer. Yep. And I think that's where the famous song, Don't Rain on My Parade, comes from, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Don't so that's... tell me not to live, just sit in <clears throat> putter. Yeah, exactly. Butter? Putter. Putter. Life's candy and the sun's a bowl of butter. So the, Don't so the sun is full of butter. Don't to rain on my parade. But she's using a putter. Oh, my God. Am I starting to stutter? Get the hell out of here, Eric. Where is that cow's <laughs> udders? <laughs> what? So, Eric, there's this thing that... There's these sorry, sorry. In- Let me get my mind out of the gutter. <laughs> Eric, there's a thing called metaphor that we use in lyrics. Oh, I've heard of this. Life's candy. Life isn't really candy. If life was candy, we'd all be fat and diabetic. That's so true. That's very true. <laughs> I Thank wish you. the sun was a bowl of butter. I really don't, because I don't think we could survive. <laughs> the fat could sustain us, but just, there'd be no source of light. See, if they had sung that song now, it would have been like a... Uh, a bowl of smart balance. And I just want it rhyme. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Can you imagine if it was in the 90s, it would be Life's Kenny and the Sons of a, Sons of Bull of I Can't Believe It's Not Butter. <laughs> With Fabio sitting in the lead. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my God. Oh, this episode's gone to hell. Yep. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, but Funny Girl actually is a, a really, really good musical. Mm-hmm. Very entertaining. Fantastic performance by Barbara Streisand. I'm not always a fan, but I really liked it. So You, know, you may not always like her, but she always gives a spot-on performance. She does. She yeah. really does. Um, Funny Girl and Yentl. Yentl, Yentl, which was an original piece. An original piece, yeah. yeah. It was not a stage musical. Papa, so. can you hear me? Anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, number 15, Top Hat, 1935. Hmm. That is one that I'm also not familiar with. I Luckily, I have a list of movies no. here that I can pull up the reference of. Give me one moment. Are While you're doing that, can I just say, I, I was just looking at this. I found it ironic that in 1928, 
they made a silent film of Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Yeah. And that later became a musical. I just, I well, there was a, well, Moulin there Rouge, was a of course, is a, is a dance club in Paris. Ah. Yeah, well, which, there there was a 1920s or 1930s musical Moulin Rouge. It's totally disconnected. It's totally though. different. They're yeah. all totally oh. different. But. Yeah. Um, Top Hat is a, a comedy musical with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Okay. So, so classic. Mm-hmm. You know, dancing and very very much the classic musical movie movie musical. Yes. Yeah. Number 14, 1979, All That Jazz. It's a oh, Fosse musical. The one about the life of Bob Fosse. Yeah. 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 I mean. Mm-hmm. I, that one's actually pretty good. I've seen that one. Uh, number 13, 1933, 42nd Street. Of course. Which we already be. talked about. Yeah. Number 12, 2002, Chicago. Number 12, huh? I made it up on number 12. Interesting. It's not the best, but it is for a modern interpretation. It's really good. It's really good. I think AFI is really important. Their, their big thing is they look at the, the full perspective, mm-hmm. right? And well, I think they look at the historical importance and the historical relevance. I would say that that really brought modern musical movies back back to the forefront and made it okay for people to watch that because a few years later um the phantom of the opera musical movie came to the screen um rent right and all those ones yeah I mean, and i'm i'm not obviously so picking it was the from gateway the bench. To, I'm, to reinterpreting a lot of and i don't think that les mis would have happened if it wasn't for chicago probably not probably so. not so i think in that regard it probably yeah. deserves to be on the list sure number 11 1956 the king and i of course well it's when you're talking about the trio that is Rogers and Hammerstein, mm-hmm. Hammerstein, Rogers and Hammerstein is how I always hear it. Okay, Rogers and Hammerstein. I mean, <laughs> they've also done Oklahoma. They've done Cinderella. Oh they've my done... god, I love their version of Cinderella. Yeah, of course they do. Every girl I know loves it's their version of Cinderella. So good. Listening to the original cast recording with you've uh, seen it. I know you have. I have. Impossible for he, a... He may not have. No? Because there How was... did you know this, by the way? I'm just curious. You, you, so if your girls haven't seen George, Rogers and Hammerstein's version of it, because they did a remake of it about 10 years ago with Brandy as Cinderella yeah. and Bernadette Peters. I may have fallen asleep on the couch watching something okay. possibly it's, like it that. It is really good. Whitney Houston plays the fairy godmother. Yeah. And for some, reason, for some reason, a white king... And an Asian... And no, White King and Whoopi Goldberg somehow an make Asian an prince. Asian prince, but whatever. <laughs> that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. And uh, Whoopi Goldberg is Guinan. She's capable of <laughs> so true. many things that we do <laughs> not know true. about. And uh, oh, uh, Jason Alexander plays... Like, oh, yes. Okay, I've seen this. He, he yes, I've, seen this. I've told you you've seen this. It's, it's really good. Um, yeah. The music is fantastic. And uh, listen to the original cast recording with Julie Andrews. Yeah, she was the original, yeah. She was the original Cinderella. She was also the original Eliza Doolittle. In, in My Fair Lady. My Fair Lady, yep. Mm-hmm. Based and on the play Pygmalion. Yes. On what? Pygmalion. Pygmalion? Pygmalion. George Bernard Shaw, look it up. Anyway. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you have been told. <laughs> Number 10 is uh, 1944, Meet Me in St. Louis, which we've mentioned before. It's a Judy Garland musical. A um, couple of major songs come from that. Uh, mm-hmm. The big one is... Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas came from that song. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, and how you have discussed that before. Yeah, mm-hmm. and God, the context of that, when you see the musical, is Tragic. heartbreaking yeah. when you hear it. Because it's about, yeah. I, it's like, yeah. life freaking sucks, but at least we've got each other. And hey, maybe it might be better next year. Here's hoping. It's really depressing. Yep. Um, 1951, for number nine on the list, one of my favorites, An American in Paris. A couple of major songs were, I think, put into that that we know of. What is it? Um, it's Wonderful. Uh, it's Wonderful. And then there's... Um, I Got Rhythm. 
Yes, thank you. I get rhythm, which is a Gershwin Gershwin song, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. This is a Gershwin piece. Yeah. Piece, yeah. Now, yeah. how fun would it be to and it's see? It's also Gene Kelly again. Love yeah, Gene Kelly. It'd be great to see American Werewolf in Paris as a musical. <laughs> That's something we need to talk about. We need to talk about the movies we want to see turned into musicals. Absolutely. Okay, let me go through the rest of this list then. Um, number eight, 1964, My Fair Lady, which we already talked about. Of course, yes. Um, the, that, that movie has this, Audrey Hepburn in it. This is she, Audrey Hepburn. She didn't and, sing. Yeah, she part. didn't sing. Um, it was uh, it was voiced over by somebody else. And then Rex yeah. Harrison, who did the original Broadway cast uh, performance with Julie Andrews, somehow got it despite the fact not being able to sing. And so he just kind of speaks sings the whole yeah, thing. <laughs> would, but he also nailed it. And the funny thing is they didn't go with Julie Andrews because they didn't think she could sell the movie because yeah. she was too new of a star. Mm-hmm. And yet the next year they put her in Mary Poppins and yeah. like goes. Took off. Does she, but she does sing in Mary Poppins. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, because Julie Andrews is in that movie. Yes. Audrey Hepburn was. Oh, oh sorry, you said it was Audrey yeah. Hepburn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Number seven, 1954, Star is Born, which mm. is, I believe, another Judy Garland movie. It is indeed. Um, number six, 1964, one of my all-time favorite movies forever and ever, Mary Poppins. Which was recently adapted back to the stage. Back to the stage, yeah. Indeed, and was very successful, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number five, 1972, and by God... One of my secret dream roles is to play Sally Bowles in Cabaret. I admit the only version I've seen is the film. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, yeah. I've seen a stage production of it, not like a professional stage yeah. production, but a community theater production Yeah, so of the it. version, of course, we're talking about is with Michael York and Liza Minnelli. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very um, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. It's really good. Very deeply political and it has a whole hell of a lot going on. Yeah. The movie makes good use of montage to really push the tension of that political climate yes. while they're performing. So you see lots of bunch of brown shirt Nazis going and beating up people off the street just because they're being thugs to really set the tone that this is happening right against the clash of the at culture the, clash. At the same time while yeah. having the cabaret performers mocking the Nazis at the same yeah, time. Yeah, that was like their safe zone. The cabarets yeah. were the safe zone where they could mock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very people. true. Yeah. And oftentimes the cabarets did produce actual members of the French resistance and or safe haven for said individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, many a time, people needed to get out of a tense situation. They'd find their way into into a cabaret. So there you go. There you have and it. And it actually really captured very well then yeah. in, the, in the movie. Um, I am now dedicated to go and watch that. Do it. It's, I'm going to. It's really good. It's a little, a little odd at times, but it's really good. That's okay. So am I. Yay. Uh, number four, 1965, The Sound of Music. Another Julie Andrews. How can you not talk about The Sound of Music? The hills are alive. Fun fact, I've never actually seen The Sound of Music all in one sitting. Neither have I. Do you know who the original Maria was? Mm. Mary Martin. Oh, who played uh, Peter, Peter Pan. Pan. She was the Peter Pan from the musical version. So number three, uh, 1939, The Wizard of Oz. Thank God. I was wondering when they were going to talk about that. Yeah. It, it had to be somewhere up there, yeah. right? Because Wizard of Oz is one of my favorite movies from childhood. Mm-hmm. It was also the first play I was ever in. Oh, really? Who'd you yeah. play? Uh, were you a munchkin? I was a munchkin. I was also a <laughs> flying monkey. <laughs> and I was a winky. Oh, you were a winky. You know okay, so are? you did a more. Oh, yo. I do now. But they, uh, they more directly yeah. reference winkies in the, in the book. They do. They reference Winkies in the book, and <laughs> they never explain what the Winkies are. The play version does. They actually okay. explain all the stuff that they cut out of the movie. And oh, it's okay. actually based off of the same script. Right. It's like the full script. So there's longer versions of the brain, the heart, and the, the courage songs. Um, there's a, actually a little bit of recitative that they all have before they go into the main oh, nice. bit. Um, they all explained how they got to where they were. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. It, it's more, I would say it's truer to the book 
Mm-hmm. Glenda still comes in at the end, not the not the good witch of the of the south, I believe, is what because I believe in I believe in the book you see all four witches, right? You have the east gets killed right away, the west is the one they're I killing. I believe so, yeah. Glenda comes in the beginning, but the good witch of the south oh, okay. comes in at the end to take Dorothy back home. Gotcha. And in this, of course, it's still Glenda both times yeah. at the beginning at the end, which kind of makes her seem like a bitch. Right. There's the whole how it should have ended. Wait. So you tell me this whole time I could have just tapped my clip my heels three times and gone home. But instead, no, you decide to send me on this freaking mission to do your dirty work while you just kick back and watch. Do you know who the original, who they originally (laughs) were considering very strongly to be Dorothy? Uh, Shirley Temple, right? Shirley Temple. But so why cast a 16 year old girl as Dorothy when the girl's supposed to be like eight years old, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the answer is because Judy Garland was dating Mike Minnelli. Mike Minnelli was the producer. Uh, or was it Vince Minnelli? I can't remember. Was it Vince Minnelli? Guess mm-hmm. right. Uh, Vince Minnelli. And Vince Minnelli uh, was, was one of the producers working for MGM. So there's your answer. And then Vincent Minnelli, Judy Garland, then had Liza Minnelli, who was in right. Cabaret. Exactly. Oh, so you had all Look at around. that. We've come full circle. Yay. That was number two. West Side Story, 1961. Of course. Another movie I haven't seen all the way through in really? one sitting. Yeah. Really? Okay. West Side Story yeah. is a fabulous, fabulous tale. Yeah. One of the Why early... is it such a good tale? Yeah. Because it's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. With Time. a Puerto Rican With Latin a Puerto Rican twist. <laughs> and a happy ending. And Happier ending? Well. Well, they don't commit suicide. That's got to be happy. N- no. They don't commit suicide. Tony dies, but Maria doesn't. Well, Maria, at least one of them's alive. That's yeah. a fifty percent happier. Makes it for true love story. But yeah. because she stays, she stays alive and kind of delivers the whole, at least in the movie, um, delivers the kind of whole thing where she's like holding the gun. She's like, see what this does, and and kind of get, gives them all like a talking to, and makes them all feel really yeah, bad so about you, what they've done. You still done. have the, the so same it, resolution, but just not without both. Characters. Yeah, the atypical so, "Don't be a dick" speech. Well, essentially, <laughs> what it's doing is it's giving the musical twist to it, which means you have to have the you kind of have to have some sort of morality to right. it. That's I remember watching there. that movie in seventh grade Spanish class. That oh, really? Was one of our assignments. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I like that. And last but not least, number one, 1952, one of my all-time favorites forever and ever, "Singing in the Rain." Singing in the Rain is awesome. So so good. Damn good. Another great example of a film that was again later put on the stage, mm-hmm. and then with in, real water in the eight. Yes, with real water. It was really? the 80s. There was a lot of spectacle musicals that. That's took very place. clever. I appreciate so, that. Yeah, and great song. This is my favorite song that is not Singing in the Rain. It's uh, you are I you were meant for me. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, it's um, it's Gene Kelly's soliloquy to the character Debbie Reynolds' character. Yeah. What I really like is uh, "Good morning, good morning." We talk the whole night through. In fact, I actually yeah. will like walk in on my more peppy days. Yeah. I will walk into work just going "Good morning, good morning," and then everybody's like thinking I'm a freak. Yeah, <laughs> and he and Donald O'Connor have some really amazing dance numbers in that. There was one of the songs in there, um, "Make Him Laugh." When he's doing all of his crazy tricks and routines, he's doing like wall flips and stuff like that. And it's really funny. Fantastic. They were making the movie. They knew they wanted to make a big musical. It was kind of at a time when a lot of musicals were being really mass produced. And they actually took the the Make Em Laugh song and they just kind of made it. But then they played it back to back a little bit later after they've already filmed it and recorded it or whatever with a song called Be a Clown. Yeah. Which was a like an older, more vaudevillian song. And they're almost dead similar. Another little piece of trivia. Uh, mm-hmm. Gene Kelly had a pretty serious case. It was either the flu or... Um, I knew he had a fever when they were shooting that number. 
Which number? To sing in the rain number. Yeah, okay. Like the, the, the signature number. Yeah. Well, that was interesting. Yeah. Looking at that list. Well, um, and oh, another thing, Debbie Reynolds, for those of you who didn't know, is uh, Princess Leia's mom. That's right. She is Carrie, Carrie Fisher's, Fisher's mom. Mother, mm-hmm. exactly. As well as, no, no, that's not true. Her dad had multiple yeah. wives, so. Yeah. She has a bunch of other half sisters through her father. Right. But, okay. Never mind. I have an interesting fact. Uh-huh. So I was trying to find some interesting musical factoids and what mm-hmm. have you. And apparently, Andrew Lloyd Webber, of course, of, you know, Cats and Evita and what have you, and that fame. Phantom of the Opera, et cetera. Phantom of the Opera. Jesus Christ um, Superstar. Spent time. Starlight Express? In 1965, mm-hmm. he spent time with his father, who was actually a well known organ recitalist mm-hmm. in Argentina. Oh, really? Yeah. And at that time, he spent, you know, while he was there with his father, was working in an animal shelter. Oh. And is it a big coincidence that, you know, his first two hit musicals were Avita and Cats? Incorrect. I'm sorry. His first hit musical was Jesus Christ Superstar. Well, Thank you for ruining my joke, ones. considering everything I just said was completely and totally made up. <laughs> and you guys were eating it up with a spoon. I wasn't eating it up with a spoon. I knew you were wrong. <laughs> I was totally believing that he spent time in Argentina. That would be feasible. The animal shelter thinks a stretch. It was meant to be. That's why I threw it in at the end of the joke. Okay. Evita, though, <laughs> being... A stage musical that was adapted into a movie with Madonna mm-hmm. and, and Antonio, Antonio Banderas. Banderas. Right? Yeah. That one was. It was okay. I think she wasn't really. She was really not suited for the part. It's interesting when you listen to uh, other versions of Evita and when you compare Patti Lapone. Well, well, Patti Lapone. That's. Yeah, I'm not even talking Madonna, about that one. I mean, it's like no, 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 no. Patti Lapone is one of the all-time Broadway greats. You can't yeah. compare. But as opposed to like in revival versions where. Um, there have been actresses who have played Evita with an accent. Oh, with like an Argentinian? With an Argentinian accent. It's been kind of interesting to listen yeah. to that. And what was it, the most recent version they did? Had Ricky Martin as Che Guevara? I think so, maybe. Yeah. As Che, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, listeners out there, if you have seen some of the musicals that we didn't see, please tell us your opinions. Tell us your opinions on the AFI list, and tell us what's your favorite movie musical and why. Top three movies I want to see in a musical. Tell me. Yeah. Cliffhanger. <laughs> what? I'm trying to close. Damn it! <laughs> no, I want to hear this, and I, w- I think we all should give give one that we want. All right, Child's it. Play. Oh my god! <laughs> Go on. Jurassic Park. Oh shit! That would be ridiculous. But you could do that Lion King style, like have you know the, the dancers play the dinosaurs. <laughs> you know, you know which one? It has a great score. It does. But how do you adapt lyrics to that? We'll figure it out. I'm Uh, a dinosaur. I'm a dinosaur. (laughs) And you brought me back with faulty genetics. Isn't that a family guy joke? That's a family guy joke, (laughs) I think. Probably Peter Griffin. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a dinosaur. Okay, okay, so you guys guess which which movie I want to see made into a musical. Princess Bride? Absolutely. And actually, they almost did, too. Really? Yeah, there was a... It's um, perfect for a musical. It's absolutely. It's got all the key elements to it. Uh, They had... There was a book that was written for it, and in 2006, they were going to do a concert version of it concert preview of it at the Hollywood Bowl and then there was creative differences between the librettist and William Goldman and just kind of collapsed mm. unfortunately yeah. yeah if I couldn't do that Top Gun Top Gun what how would you even do I'm that I'm kidding I'm kidding <laughs> you Look, gawked at Cliffhanger <laughs> <laughs> this, this, the, <laughs> the same way you can do Footloose because they have there's oh, all those classic songs right, that are Footloose. in yeah. the soundtrack that you turn into musical numbers oh my god I want to see the volleyball scene 
I want to see all of them playing volleyball. I was joking, by the no. way, but I would not put it past. I want to see all of them playing volleyball shirtless, singing, playing with the boys. That is so Broadway. <laughs> okay, how about this? Indiana Jones. Oh, I don't know. Back to the Future? Back to the Future. <laughs> that would be fun. That's the thing. Yeah. Dude, the whole trilogy you, was mu- more musical. Here's the thing. Act you one could is totally, the first one. You could totally do Back to the Future as a musical. It would be awful, but you could do it. That would be probably fun. could. Well, there have been these experiments in off-Broadway. Off-Broadway is usually the, the, the canvas for a lot of these mm-hmm. types of theater. Um, they've done Goonies. They've tried adapting Goonies to a musical. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done they've done everything. They've, the Toxic Avenger was tried being adapted to him, uh, which is... That sounds excellent. The Fugitive. The, fu- the Fugitive. Do The Fugitive as a musical. Every James Bond movie. Every It's James funny Bond because movie. the guy who actually wrote the score for the James Bond early films... The guy who wrote the James Bond theme was a musical theater composer. Oh. Is a musical theater composer. He's still alive. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. He took the song from one of his earlier musicals and slowed it down, and that's where he got the dum ba dum boom 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 ba boom 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 Well, actually, it was slower. He sped it up, and that's where he got the James Bond. Cocoon, the musical. I could see it happening. I'm not saying it would be good, but I could see it happening. A bunch of old people dancing around a pool. There's got to be a song somewhere. If someone out there has enough cojones to do Xanadu as a musical... They can do pretty much anything from the 70s onward and try to pull it off. Someone out there will, will, will try to do just about anything now. But you know what? That's the cool thing about theater. You can experiment with it. It's expensive to do so, but adding the live element to it makes it really um, engaging. I would never want to see it done as a film musical because it's just, it just I'm not sure if it, would, if it was adaptable. I got it. Aliens. Specifically the second one. And the hit song would be... <laughs> no? <laughs> they mostly come, come out, out at, at night. night. Parentheses. Mostly. Mostly. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's the greatest line ever. They mostly come out at night. Mostly. Mostly. (laughs) Oh, you guys are making me feel so uneasy right now. (laughs) Oh, my God. There's no xenomorphs attacking you right now. Maybe you would accept it as a musical first before a film. No, I would not. The image of this giant queen alien... That there have it would, well, imagine how me... awesome that would be on stage. Mm-hmm. You know what would also be awesome? Seeing a, a grown man take a shit in public too, because that's what would happen <laughs> if I were to see that. Well, you're clearly not getting a front row pass. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Holy crap! This dude's crapping his pants." He's <laughs> that was, good. He's that good. No, no, he's petrified. Right now. <laughs> the reviews afterwards. It's pants crapping good, literally. <laughs> Bring green pair of shorts. <laughs> what if they did like the Dark Knight trilogy? They actually almost did Batman as a musical. Oh, they were never going to have Tim Burton direct it too. I think, although with uh, the success of Spider Man, it actually, believe it or not, is. I know it's even a, though the quality of the musical is questionable. It actually has been very successful. No, I know it's a reasonably successful show, but boy, howdy, did it have a lot of troubles getting in? Like, it did. It did. Made. But then Julie Julie Taymor is very experimental, and yeah. them removing her from the project was the best thing for it. They kept a lot of her elements, keep in mm-hmm. mind. They just fixed the story. Yeah. Well, Batman would be great, because you could do kind of a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing, where Bruce Banner and... Bruce uh, Wayne. Bruce Banner. I said Bruce, Bruce Banner. Yeah, let's, let's put the Hulk in it, too. It's not even in the same universe. God oh. damn it, Broadway's ruining okay. everything. <laughs> Let me say that again. Well, also, Batman doesn't sing. 
Like, Batman's a man of few words, let alone singing words. Well, he's going to have to say something. Is he going to have musical. to sing with the stupid Christian Bale voice? No, that's what I'm saying. It, it could go back and forth between the Christian Bale voice so like that, and like Bruce Wayne's Bruce tenor, Wayne. And then, like, well, I hope it's not the grovelly. Oh, but, like what they do with the Jekyll and Hyde music. That's musical. what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. I, I would love to see Jekyll and Hyde done as a done Truthfully Told. I'd love to see that done as a movie. Oh, that would be fucking Why? sick. Why? Because for those who don't know, I mean, yes, it is the adaptation of the Robert Louis Stevenson play. But the key climactic number is confrontation, and it's when Jekyll so does a duet with Hyde. You heard the song. You I put, didn't. Yeah, I heard the song. You played it for me. Pretty amazing, right? The guy sings in two different voices. And it is. It's wonderful. And you know, hey, great roles for women in that show. Yeah, very good. Well, it's really centered around Lin- Linda Edder, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because she was married to the composer at the time. So whatever. Yeah, um, not unlike Sarah Brightman being married to um, Angela Weber and her getting the role of Christine mm-hmm. in Phantom. It just. Decent Luck of the draw, happy. yeah. Anyway, uh, listeners, if you have a, a stage musical you'd like to see brought into film or vice versa, film you want to see made into a stage musical, and your comments on the 25 films we've talked about tonight, share them with us, please. Do it. And, of course, please listen to our live Oscar podcast, because that's going to be coming up pretty soon, and we're all pretty excited about it. I think so, yeah. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. You hear more comedy like you've heard this evening during the live Oscar Can you Oscar imagine? We're not even going to cut ourselves out. Anything could happen. You're going to hear us stuttering and Eric making stupid jokes. And <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping kidding. most of my stupid jokes get left into this podcast, but thanks, Eric. Yeah. No, they will. And I'm just teasing you. <laughs> They're my feelings. And we'll figure out some way of communicating taste with us, whether it's going to be through Twitter feed or through like a chat or through maybe even Google Voice. We'll, we're still working that part out. But we'll, we'll see if we'll do that. Yeah. Anyway, guys, um, if you want to contact us, let's go to our emails, brian at nerdonomy.com. And I'm sarah at nerdonomy.com. That's S-A-R-A-H. Mm-hmm. I am the brickmont at nerdonomy.com. And, of course, you can also follow us all on our Twitter accounts. I'm at Brian Moriarty. I'm at Sarah Ash 16 And I am at the brickmont. Cool, guys. Thank you for listening. And you guys have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you all soon. And Eric, thanks for hanging out. Thank you, sir. Uh, thank you. And I want to send a special thank you to the reigning space monkey and all of his courage. God rest you your well soul. In, we hope you do well in Aladdin the musical. <laughs> and roll credits. Roll credits.